Good morning. Good morning. Good seeing everybody. Welcome to the past the midpoint of the year. Can you believe it? Uh, we are past the halfway point of 2023. Good to see each and every one of you. Those of you who are online, welcome to you as well. If you're out in the courtyard or maybe the fellowship hall, good to have everybody here. Uh, wanted to just um, again say uh, welcome to the visitors. If uh, met a couple of people this morning, great to have you as well. Uh, here in the middle of summer, good, good group for uh, vacation season. You know, we've got now we've got people that are traveling, and uh, two of our daughters, one's come back from Florida today, one from Tennessee, and I know other people are out of town. Uh, which, by the way, if you're watching online in your car, which me and my wife did last Sunday, uh, well, I didn't do the watching. Um, uh, I did the listening. I was doing this, uh, but my wife was watching and. Uh, what was his facial expression on that? Let tell, you know, tell me that, because yeah, I couldn't see it. But every now and then I would glance over. But uh, it's nice to have the technology when you're out of town. So if you're on vacation or something watching with us, we're uh, glad you're here. Uh, and speaking of last Sunday, I just want to give a big thanks to Pastor Kevin. I reached out to him. <clears throat> uh, he's back at their church down in Clayton, uh, outside of Raleigh. But, uh, but I was blessed uh, listening to his message on walking in the Spirit. And that uh, knocked out an hour and a half of my drive from Atlanta to, uh, or past Atlanta, uh, back up last Sunday and uh, got to see the team worshiping and Dave and Lisa up here last week. Uh, but um, he was a blessing. Now you guys, uh, I'm sure, enjoyed that. And by the way, the worship team this morning, great to have Mark and Amy and Christine and, uh, and Phil up here. Um, so the, Tawan, the team have grown. I think we have like almost like three or four micro teams now, and uh, Gary leads, and Jackson leads, and Tawan leads, and Mark can lead, and uh, 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 Phil can lead, and Phil's led for 15 years at, uh, up at City Gates Church, and before that, uh, and then Pastor Mark uh, was a Calvary Chapel pastor in upstate New York, and he's officially given up the pastor realm of his ministry, but he's still serving this way, and by the way, he's going to teach in August, so you guys are going to hear him teach, so... Uh, but uh, it's good to have uh, him and his family here. So it's, it's, the Lord's been blessing us with giving us more uh, and more lady voices lately. Have you noticed that? You know, so because uh, we've had a lot of guys that uh, can do that, but and really love the Lord. But it's been good to have uh, some of these uh, newer uh, uh, additions to the team. So it's a blessing. But Pastor Kevin last week was great. I really appreciate that. And then uh, Monday, thanks to Dr. Russ and Jackie sitting way back there for hosting. Um, we had an awesome time. We had an awesome time out there at their property. If you've never been out, uh, we'll do it again, Lord willing, in 2024. They have a big pond. I didn't see any of the adults in the pond that I'm aware of, uh, but the kids were in there, and they were braving anything, and uh, snapping turtles, and who knows what else was in there. But, uh, but they were in the pond, and we had a good time, fireworks and hot dogs and hamburgers. All that, that was on the 3rd, so people could kind of uh, sleep and crash in. And we did not have... Uh, the Wednesday service on the 5th, because uh, Monday night was our fellowship. But we had uh, about 100 people there, so a good, good group uh, all the way around. And then uh, big day on the 5th. Uh, yeah, how about that? So Jackson and Taylor, if you're watching right now from home, congratulations. I know many people reached out to them and uh, gave them congratulations on their first child, a baby girl. 
Uh, since all me and my wife have as girls, we're quite partial. If you're into your sons, that's fine, but uh, uh, we only had three girls. And by the way, in our family, since our girls are now 18 to almost 23, but not married yet, no grandkids yet, your babies give me and my wife the fix we need every now and then. So thank you very much. You might have saw my wife in one of the pictures holding something. So, uh, so thank you. Just keep being fruitful and multiplying. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, no, it's, it's a blessing. And I know a lot of you agree with me on that. So uh, it's good to have the, uh, the new little gifts from God. And so congratulations to them. Uh, this Wednesday, since we did not have the Wednesday service last week, uh, we normally have our monthly prayer the first Wednesday of the month, so it will be uh, this Wednesday. So come out and pray with us. We need a lot of prayer. Our nation needs a lot of prayer. People need a lot of prayer. God deserves our praise. And so uh, I'd love to see us get to place. One of my dreams is that we pack out prayer meetings. I believe if we do, God will do miracles. Uh, now he'll still use the two or three, you know, and the 15, 20, and the 40, or whatever it is. But uh, uh, the more people that come out to pray, I believe God will honor that. So uh, please come and join us this coming Wednesday at 6.30. And speaking of prayer, uh, if you're visiting, we've been praying for revival for probably 15 years now or something like that. And ever since the pandemic, we started getting on our knees, and uh, I almost stopped it, but the Lord, uh, I haven't told this in a while, but I was going to stop and said, Lord, if you want me to continue for us to get on our knees, Make it clear to me, because if I'm just doing this and it's nearly not, and I opened three straight passages that were knees, knees, and knees. Like, I couldn't do that. A thousand, Lord, I prayed again. I'd open up again. And every time, he's like, so continue to do it. So I believe that uh, when you get to heaven, you're going to get on your knees. Uh, you'll fall on your face before the Lord. So it's just, it's a, it's a humbling. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, those that are devout in their in Islam, they bow to Mecca. They get on their face. Face. They don't just get on their knees, they get on their face and bow towards Mecca. We have the true and living God. So when we get on our knees, it's not just some ritual. We're trying to check a box. We really believe that God will honor us humbling us. So it's tight in this 1045 service, the 830. They have a lot more room. But if you're able to get on your knees, if you're okay with it, again, if you have bad knees or just, that's, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, you don't have to just sit there and pray with us. But let's get on our knees for about 45 seconds of silence. And then we'll get into the book of Acts together. Let's pray. Father, we know that you desire to bring revival far more than we could ever desire to pray for. We know you're gracious. We know that you're full of compassion. We know that you're slow to anger. We know that you are merciful. And Lord, as we maybe recently with the Independence Day celebration, we, we think of this, God shed his grace on thee, and you have shed your grace on us far more than we deserve. And so, Lord, as we pray, we pray first in this room that you would wash and cleanse our hearts of our own wandering, of our own discontent, of our own 
idols. Lord, forgive us in this room of our own sins. If we walked in here with attitudes, Lord, that are not where they should be, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your grace. We ask for your cleansing. We ask, Lord, if anyone in this room doesn't know you, Lord and Savior, today would be the day that they would give their heart and life to you. We pray for our nation, Lord, from the highest offices to the people that have no name or no power, no position, Lord, there is so many that are not ready for eternity, that are lost, that are in sin. We see the violence in our streets. We see the immorality. We see the rejection of biblical marriage, Lord. We see hatred. We see racism, Lord. We see so many uh, idols and pride and, and uh, divorce and all these things. And Lord, we know that if your people who are called by your name, Lord, if they would humble themselves and we would repent, Lord, and turn from our sins, Lord, you would heal the land. And Lord, let it start in the household of God. Let it start in the churches. Let our pulpits return to the word of God. And Lord, let there be repentance. We pray, Lord, this morning as we pray for different nations today, we pray for the nation of Saudi Arabia. Lord, we know that the Apostle Paul was in the Arabian Peninsula. We know that the gospel went from the Middle East and started there. And we know that uh, you've done great things in the past. And Lord, we thank you for the believers that are in Saudi Arabia today. We pray that uh, you would multiply and many more would come to know you in that country. We know you love the Saudi people and all over the world. And lastly, Lord, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters that are persecuted in countries around the world. We pray for their deliverance, their healing. And Lord, uh, that you would just restore them to their families. Give them your peace, even in the most difficult of places. We ask these things for the God that can send revival in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for praying with us this morning. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we'll pick up where we left off. If you're visiting with us, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. We finished the first two chapters. We started chapter 3 two weeks ago. Pastor Kevin was sharing for me when I was down in Georgia last week from my wife's family reunion. So uh, we're back here in uh, Acts chapter 3, picking up. We've read through verses 1 through 16. I'm going to reread verse 16 just as a bridge connecting uh, where we were uh, two weeks ago to where we're at today all the way through uh, the end of chapter 3, starting verse 16. <clears throat> and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know... Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers, but those things which God foretold by his mouth of all the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until, all times of, until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. 
Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken have also foretold these days, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we pray that even this morning it would divide our thoughts, our intent. Lord, it would counsel us, convict us, comfort us, correct us. Lord, we know, Jesus, that you have your plan and purposes for this service. Lord, we pray that we would, in one sense, get out of the way that you would have your way. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would move in a mighty way here this morning. You would speak through me. I need your anointing. I need your strength. I need your help. I could never preach your word without the presence of your spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us here would be listening to the spirit, our hearts soft, our ears open, not just hearers, but appliers of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Peter and John... Uh, just by way of review two weeks ago, and especially if you weren't with us two weeks ago, go back and read verses 1 through 16. But Peter and John, they were headed to pray as they were accustomed to doing. And it was, the, it was after the sacrifice, as they both had already been covered by the eternal blood of Jesus, his sacrificial blood. But as men and disciples, they had learned from Jesus to pray, and how to pray. Prayer was a discipline. Prayer was a practice of their daily lives. As we talked about two weeks ago, there can be no discipleship without discipline. I know that's a, that's a word America doesn't like anymore, discipline. I'm, I'm glad the Marine Corps still likes it, that the Navy SEALs still like it. I'm glad somebody still likes discipline. But God still loves discipline, amen? It's important. It's that prioritization of our lives around the instructions and the commands that Jesus has given. With prayer being one of those essential foundations of our life in Christ. But as we walk in the discipline of discipleship, and as we fix our eyes upon Jesus daily living for him in this world, we have the promise that the Holy Spirit will be with us. Isn't that good to know? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We have a lot, we have a lot to deal with when ourselves, much less all the things around us. And the Holy Spirit will take the simplicity of us living in daily fellowship with Jesus, just walking and talking with Jesus, walking with him. He'll take the simplicity of that, and he will orchestrate, listen to this, opening of doors opportunities, divine appointments, maybe even this week for you, a divine appointment. And if we're walking in the Spirit, guess what? We'll be ready for what God has prepared for us. And that's exactly what took place when Peter and John were just walking to the temple, anticipating to go in and pray. They were in communion with the Lord. They were ready 
for what the Lord had in store. Now, certainly, the Lord was leading them to pray. If, if it was just another day of prayer meeting, like we're going to have this coming Wednesday night, that's powerful in and itself. And yet, the Spirit had more in mind. You ever seen, look back on your life, and realize that there are certain days God had more in mind than you thought he had in mind? You ever look back and say, wow, that was a lot more momentous than I thought it was going to be. And as they approached the temple, they likely had no idea that they would be bringing healing to a man who had been lame his entire life. More than 40 years, he had been dependent on other people to survive. But instantly, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with faith, commanded the man, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Remember, Peter said, don't have any silver, don't have any gold, don't have any stocks, don't have any bonds, but rise and walk. Immediately, this lame man immediately knows how to walk. And by the way, if you've never walked ever, you've got to learn how to walk. Unless God heals you, you immediately know how to walk. He knew how to walk. He was able to walk. He was even leaping. We don't know what his vertical was, but he was leaping. And within minutes... Everyone in the temple is amazed. People are flocking, running to the temple because word gets out fast when someone who was over 40 years old, never walked, is healed. Word was getting out. And this one man, his soul and his body, but especially his soul, was precious to God. And by the way, everyone you walk past this week is precious to God. Their soul means a lot to God. He died for them. Even if they can't stand the Lord, if they want nothing to do with God, he still died for them. But his healing, this man's healing, was only part of what the Holy Spirit had in mind for that day. And if you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, The Refreshing of Repentance. Can you imagine the refreshing our country would see if we would repent? Can you imagine like this movie that's out... Uh, uh, what is it, Sound of Freedom, uh, if, if, if tra sex trafficking went away, the refreshing that would be for people that are stuck in things like that, the refreshing that would take place with families that are healed, people that are saved and transformed, but there is a refreshing of repentance that God wants to do. But just as was the case in the day of Pentecost, on that, that, that day of the Feast of um, Weeks, when the mighty rushing wind came down out of heaven, and multitudes with spoken languages from all over the world heard Peter speaking one language, but yet everyone heard them in their language, and same with the disciples. The miracle, and what happened on Pentecost happens here, the miracle preceded the message. The miracle preceded the message. The supernatural evidence set the table for those present to see their spiritual need. Now, even if you are walking with the Lord and you're in communion, you still have spiritual needs that you may not even be aware of, but God does, right? And that's why the communion with the Lord, he's meeting those needs. We all have spiritual needs. If you're lost, you have the spiritual need of salvation. But this supernatural work sets the table for those that have a spiritual need to actually see their needs. One thing to have a need, but it's very important that we see and understand that need. And for the people now crowded around Peter and John, and this healed man. Remember the healed man, he's hanging on to the apostles, not to stand up. He, he had the best legs of the bunch now. He, he went from worst legs to best legs 
and feet and ankles and all that stuff in a matter of a second or less than that. But he was hanging on to them, if you recall why. In my view, he was now glad he had a family. He went from an outcast to totally brought into the family of God. And so many of you that don't have much of a family, or maybe both your parents have passed away, you don't have much family, the family of God becomes your family. And by the way, it will become more knit and more close than even your regular family. Although we pray that all that would uh, follow the same pattern. But this man is healing, uh, he's been healed, he's clinging to the apostles. And so Peter, John, and this man, they're all the center of attention. There's people just crowded around him. And God was getting the people's attention to reveal to them their condition. And by the way, God can get our attention with miracles. He can get our attention, you can get an amen on this one, trials. All of a sudden, you find your Bible again. You want to find the Psalms because you're a trial. He's getting your attention. How about correction? You know, today's, uh, I heard Pastor Kevin last week talking about some kid coming out of the convenience store, and he's like, uh, he's just talking back to his parents, he goes, that didn't roll where I was from or something like that. It was something to that effect. And uh, God knows how to discipline his children. He knows how to correct. He can get your attention with correction. He can get our attention with judgment, which will be coming on this country, which I think partially already is on our country. But he'll really get the attention. But he gets our attention that we would see and recognize our condition. Now, Peter and John, they had every intention of heading into a time of prayer. They were, they were ready to pray. But as the Spirit turned this afternoon from the prayer meeting into this glorious time of healing, because of one of the reasons we pray is that God would do things, and all their other prayer meetings were coming to fruition here. They now find themselves with an open door of evangelism, an opportunity to preach the gospel once again to attentive ears, because it's one thing to preach the gospel when people aren't listening, but when God tunes all their ears, now you have what we call a captive audience. See, the magnitude of what has taken place, a man that's been lame for 40 years, I've never seen someone lame for 40 years healed in my presence. That would get my attention, and I know Jesus and love him. But this has amazed those in Jerusalem, and it has given Peter a platform to represent. He's already presented Jesus on the day of Pentecost, one of the most powerful messages ever preached in the history of the world. 3,000 people got saved, but I don't know if you realize this, some people still left that day like this. I don't believe it. There was a lot of people in Jerusalem that still had their arms folded and their hearts folded and say, I don't believe what Peter said. Well, 3,000 of your neighbors just got saved. Well, that's for them. I'm glad they found something. You ever had someone tell you that? I'm glad you found something for you. I'm like, I didn't find it. He found me. Let me explain this. But Peter has this platform to represent the gospel. And when Peter and John woke up that morning, all of this was prearranged. They didn't know it was prearranged. By the way, your coming week is prearranged. Oh, well, that's a little scary. <laughs> it's prearranged. You know, and, and it's good news if you're walking in communion with God. It's probably not good news if you're just doing your own thing. But all of this was prearranged. They were simply vessels that were fulfilling what God had already planned. That's what I want my life to be. How about you? I just want to fulfill what God has already planned. Because if I plan it, it's not going to be a good plan. You're fulfilling what God has planned. Let's look back at verse 17. 
uh, where we're starting off this morning. Yet now, brethren, verse 17, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. Jesus had told the disciples in the upper room that he would give them a helper, which was another name for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be the helper, the comforter, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. All these are names for the Holy Spirit. But the helper here, because the Holy Spirit is our helper, when I prayed that God would help me preach this morning by his Spirit, I, that's not just lip service for me. I truly want the Holy Spirit to help me because I'm imperfect and he is perfect. Isn't that right? When you were talking to someone, you're like, Lord, help me not say this wrong. You ever had a, a, a tough discussion coming up? And you're like, help these words come out and let them land the way you would have them land. So you need the helper. And, and Peter has the helper of the Holy Spirit, and he helps Peter communicate with this audience. And as he helps him communicate with this crowd that is gathered there, he communicates first with a fact that's not a fun fact to deliver. He's like, uh, he had just told them, you've got to go back and read, he had just told them they had murdered Jesus, and that they were guilty of killing the Holy One. And that's a fact. He communicates here. He says, um, you did it in ignorance. But he also extends uh, an olive branch, if you will, of kind of love and compassion, because even though he, he uh, tells them you did this, by saying that you did it in ignorance, um, you know, he's saying that this is something you did not even understand. He uses the word brethren, which is a warm Familial, familial term for his countrymen uh, who, like himself, were Jewish. This is not a festival time. This is the Jewish community intact coming to the temple, which they would do for times of prayer, times of sacrifice. And so here he was speaking to men that were Jewish, like himself, that had grown up worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were men that were going to the temple regularly, attempting to to worship God and attempting to please God. And there's a lot of people in America today that will be at churches right now today, somewhere in this country, in this city, that will go and will sit there and might sing a hymn, but they still don't know God. And that's who Peter's talking to. He's talking to people that know the name of God, they know passages, but they don't know God. They're not in the family of God, but they don't know that. They think they are in the family of God, and Peter's here to tell them, you're not in the family of God, which people get very offended by this. When you are there to inform them that they aren't in the family of God, who are you to tell me? So he is brethren, very warm. He did it in ignorance. Peter, after being so direct about that they had murdered Jesus and the assessment that these religious leaders were guilty of the capital crime of murder, that they'd killed the Prince of Life, he gently says to them, but you did it unknowingly which still won't land softly, by the way, if someone's heart is soft, uh, if someone's heart is hard. That won't land softly either because they don't like to be told they did anything in ignorance. He uses the word ignorantly, which means lack of knowledge or blindness, or both. Lack of knowledge or blindness or both. And people generally don't like to be told they're blind either and that they're being ignorant and that they have a lack of knowledge because everyone thinks they know a lot more than they actually know. If they don't know, Siri is there to tell them. <laughs> or Google is there to help them, and all of a sudden they know everything. Aren't you glad that some of us 
We used to have to use encyclopedias, kids. We had books that were like, uh, uh, I don't know, it was like the length of this wall, and if you had to find out a fact about Marco Polo, you had to find where it was in A through Z and figure that out. We knew we didn't know everything. Um, we didn't have a little phone in our hands that uh, and told us all these things. But, but back, to, uh, back to our text here. Yeah, Peter's speaking to them. He is doing it with compassion. Brethren, brethren, you did it unknowingly. He's landing it as soft as he possibly can with as much compassion as he possibly can. By the way, Jonah did not have this same compassion for Nineveh as Peter has for his brethren. Jonah did not say, brethren, I know you didn't mean to to kill a bunch of my countrymen. The Assyrian Empire was where Nineveh was. But I know you didn't mean to cart them off and flail them and all the things, you impale them and all the things that they did. Now, Jonah felt that they deserved God's wrath, and they did deserve God's wrath. Anytime you see someone that's committed something heinous, they do deserve God's wrath. But guess what? So do you. And so do I. Our, our, our sins are an affront to God. But God was extending mercy, and he again here is extending that same mercy by the Spirit, and it's coming out. The mercy of God is coming out in Peter's preaching. And by the way, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, even when you have to deliver hard messages, I don't enjoy preaching on hell. I don't enjoy even talking about hell. I don't enjoy telling people about hell. But if I do it with love, at least there's a chance that the mercy of God's going to come through in how I tell it. Amen? Amen. So Peter, he had witnessed the torture and murder of Jesus and that would be enough for me to like not really want to give these guys the good news. You know, like, you guys killed Jesus, no gospel for you, right? You know, but he doesn't do that. He is saying, in essence, you did it not knowing what you were doing. Does that sound familiar? Not knowing what you were doing, which is precisely what Jesus said on the cross. It's up on the screen in Luke 23, 34. Then Jesus said, while hanging on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know if you realize, but a lot of people you meet that are in sin and are in darkness, they don't know they're in darkness. They don't even know that the stuff they're doing is as destructive as it is. They don't know that they're causing all kinds of pain. They don't know that they will experience eternity in pain if they don't repent. But Jesus said, in compassion, they don't know what they're doing. And now Peter has taken on the same heart of Jesus and he's preaching with the same mindset. You guys didn't know what you were doing. In their blindness, they killed the Son of God, the Holy One, the very Savior of the world. While Jesus was paying for their sins, these men and rulers added to their sins, albeit they did it through ignorance. Paul would later say this about himself. He said the things that he did to the church, he did in ignorance. He even thought he was doing God a good service by killing Christians. But while they were killing Jesus, they were attempting, but they didn't realize, they were killing their very own redemption. Thankfully, Jesus shatters the grave, and they can't accomplish what they even intended to do. And he talked about that in the previous verses, that God had raised him from the dead. Verse 18, he says in verse 18, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So here in verse 18, um, God had ordained it. He's telling God, everything that you guys did, everything that you were a part of, you uh, compelled Pilate to have him crucified, God ordained it. He even foretold it. 
before it ever happened by the prophets in the scriptures. And we talked about some of these passages before. Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. Isaiah 53, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And of course, the entire chapter of 53 uh, is messianic about Jesus. We see types and foreshadows. Remember when Abraham had to put his only son, Isaac, on the altar, and Abraham raises the knife, and of course, God stops him before he can kill his own son. And it was all foreshadowing that the Son of God would give his life for the sins of the world. But not just that Jesus would suffer, but he would also be the Lamb of God, which is what John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, his feet and his hands pierced. All of it was prophesied. All of it was foretold. And it was then fulfilled in Jesus. And they were part of this fulfillment, albeit they did it in evil and they did it in wickedness. At this point, Peter's made a very simple and straightforward case. He has made a very simple and straightforward case the same case that he made when he preached at Pentecost. He's not changed the case. And by the way, uh, you and I won't change the case either. The gospel is set in stone. We'll be teaching it the same way, representing it. Uh, we use the same bait from now until eternity, right? We're going to use the same way. But he's made the same straightforward case that he made at Pentecost, and that's this, that Jesus was given and sent by God, and that they murdered him in both sin and blindness, but that God had raised him up from the dead three days later, and that all of it was prophesied in the Scriptures. Amen? That's what, remember, he, Peter got up and he preached from Joel first, and then he preached from the Psalms that his soul would not see corruption. Peter had made the same case. Jesus was sent from God. That's born in Bethlehem. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was sent from God, came from God, was the Son of God, was equal to God, but you killed him, God raised him, and now he's still willing to save you. That's the straightforward case. And for some people, that will hit them in conviction, and they'll actually come to Christ, and others, they will still repel or resist. But much of what Peter says is a repeat of his message there at Pentecost. And some of, that, um, some of those that resisted that message when he preached at Pentecost, by the grace of God, are going to hear it and believe the second time Peter's going to re-preach the same thing. He's going to add a few things. I, I might preach the gospel the same way in many respects, but I might have different verses or different supporting pieces to the same case. And Peter's going to represent it, and some are going to believe it the second time. How many of you heard the gospel more than once before you finally responded? More than 10 times, more than 15 times. You know, it's a, a lot of us, right? I, I didn't get saved till I was 26. I had heard the gospel many times. I believed it intellectually, but I didn't really surrender to God. I did not repent. We'll talk about repentance in just a minute because that's key, of course, what Peter's talking about. But some are going to now hear it again, and they're going to respond. It's why we have to keep being a consistent light for Jesus. We have to keep sharing the same gospel. We never know when a heart is ready to hear it, do we? We never know when God has a person ready. Look at verse 19. And now Peter gives uh, the... the uh, the central point of this entire message. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Peter repeats the call to respond. The same call he gave at Pentecost, he used the same word he proclaimed there on that uh, day of Pentecost, the same message that was preached by Jesus, the same message that was preached 
by many of the prophets, the same message that was preached by John the Baptist, repent. I was, um, I shared this little, did I bring it up here? I didn't bring the book up here. Anyway, I shared this morning, but uh, in, in um, Selwyn Hughes's book about revival, Times of Refreshing, uh, he talks about the fact that repentance is a word that is not preached nearly often anymore in the pulpits in this country. Repent is not, it was the essence of what Jesus preached. It was the essence of what John preached. It was the essence of what the apostles preached. But it's not repeated today hardly at all. You will not hear the word repent. And they've even done like uh, just searches on messages and, and put them all in databases to see which words pop out versus you know, 20, 30 years ago. And repent is not a word that's used near as often. But we got to get back to that word because it's the only thing that actually will transform the individual, but also many individuals. And it's so important that this word is preached. Uh, but the word repent, I'll put up on the screen, we talked about this uh, back in chapter 2. The word repent, it means to change one's mind, to change your mind, to change your direction, and to abhor your sin. It doesn't mean just one of them, it means them in totality, that you're changing your mind, that you're changing your direction, and you're hating your sin all at the same time. And by the way, you can hate your sin all you want, and that still doesn't save you. Do we agree with that? A lot of people like, wish they were better or this or that. I wish I wasn't so much like this. You can hate your sin. It's only when you look to Jesus. Remember, they had to look to the bronze serpent. That's what saved them. So it is important that we hate our sin. But in our hating our sins, we're throwing ourselves on the grace and mercy of God. We're turning to the direction of Jesus. We're turning to him. And we're believing that he alone can and will change us. But they, the hearers, all those that are hearing Peter preach this message, they need to change their mind about Jesus. Some of them still don't believe Jesus is the Savior. Some of them believe, oh, that's just Joseph's son from Galilee. Uh, all those miracles didn't really happen. He didn't really rise from the dead. Uh, you guys hid his body. Whatever you've heard, they heard too. They're going to have to change their mind about Jesus. They are, they're going to have to believe that he is the one, the Holy One, the Son of God, the way to the Father, and the only way to salvation. And they need to grieve over their sin, not to sit there and mourn, but say, Lord, I'm genuinely sorry for murdering you on the cross, or whatever your sin or my sin is. It doesn't matter. And by the way, you can't even remember all your sins. That's why at some point we just use plural. Lord, forgive me of my sins, because we can't remember every sin we've ever committed. We can't remember half of the sins we committed, much less all of them but we throw them all uh, on uh, at the feet of Jesus to be converted. He says, uh, therefore, repent and be converted. You don't make yourself converted, but to be converted, it's better understood, run to God. When you see the word converted, it means just run to God. Uh, because if you run to God, he does the conversion. That makes sense? Yeah. To be converted means to be running to God. And when you do that, he'll do the work of conversion, uh, blotted out your, your sins so that your sins uh, may be blotted out. Uh, we talked about this in the first service. Um, some of us grew up when we were younger, we didn't start out with computers, kids. We didn't know what an iPad was. We had these things called typewriters. And you'd hit shift bar and it would go over here and ASDFJKL7, you're trying to remember where your hands are supposed to be, and you'd hit the wrong thing, and then you'd have this stuff called whiteout. 
But I'm here to tell you that when you use whiteout, everyone knew you used whiteout. It wasn't like it was like this perfect, look, here it is, uh, you know, pristine clean. I'm like, it still looked like a mistake was made. And you did your best to kind of, some of you are better at it than others, but you just put a little whiteout in there. And, but this is not whiteout. This is completely like it was never there. Blotted out, completely removed. No evidence that there was ever a mistake. God completely removes it. Gone. That's what it means to be blotted out, to be completely wiped away, to be completely removed. And then he promises refreshing. So that seasons of refreshing, times of refreshing, may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing can only come from the presence of the Lord. And God desires to bring refreshing to a heart. Uh, but Peter gives the, what, when Peter preaches, preaches repentance, he preaches rep- repentance as hope, not as misery. Repent. No, repent means refreshing. To not repent means ruin. And he's going to get into that in just a second. You can buy things, you can experience things, you can maybe make millions of dollars, but you cannot buy your salvation. You cannot buy peace. You cannot buy eternal life. You cannot purchase refreshing. You can only receive it from the Lord. Those things only come from God through his son and by repentance, turning, changing, running from our sins and running to him. The only hope for a soul, the only hope for a society, the only hope for a nation is repentance. That's why we get on our knees. It's changing our minds about Jesus and turning from sin, which he will help us to do. If we turn to him, he'll help us turn from sin. You can't turn from sin without his help. I mean, you can turn your face, if you will, but to actually get away from it, you need the help of God. That's where he puts the Holy Spirit within us. And when we believe and obey him by faith, he will give us his desires. And he'll give us this refreshing to not only save us, but he'll refresh us. Now, we know salvation is to save and rescue our soul from something. When someone knocks on my door, from one of the um, people that will knock on my door, and they'll tell me, there's a couple of ones that are out there that you know, they'll tell you, well, there is no hell. Then why are you here? Because if there is no hell... I might as well live it up and not exist because that's perfectly fine with lots of people. A lot of people say, man, if I can get as much gusto out of life and just not exist, who cares? Uh, But I'm here to tell you, every soul will exist and it's either in heaven or in hell. So we know that Jesus came to save and rescue us from hell and from the judgment that our sins deserve. Refreshing is something the Lord will bestow upon us right now. Salvation is, is is an immediate thing, but eternity in heaven is a future thing. But the refreshing comes right now. The Greek word is to cool off. It's for cooling. It's like going from uh, where I was down in Georgia last week, 104 heat index into a swimming pool. Yes. Or at least a glass of iced tea or an air-conditioned hotel room when you're coming out of 100 heat heat index. uh, It's to be refreshed like that. And all of a sudden, you ever like exhausted, like me and my wife were doing some after years of putting it off, some project in the garage, we are sweating the other day and everything, and just to go inside and drink a big glass of water, and even any food looked good at that point, like anything, uh, stale bread, give it, bring it on, you know, whatever it is, it refreshes at that moment. And that's what the, the, the understanding here is, that you're refreshed by the coolness when you're blazing hot. Webster's defines refreshing as to restore strength, to freshen 
to renew or to renew a supply. Synonyms include revive, restore, renovate, recreate. All these are synonyms of refreshing. Now, this refreshing that Peter is speaking of certainly pertains to the joy and and a new life in Christ. And Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's up on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, is a regenerated, a recreated, new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. Those last five words, all things have become new, it indicates a continuing condition of newness. All things are becoming new. Um, I've been saved since 1995, but I'm becoming more new in Jesus. How about you? I mean, I was made new, and I'm still becoming new because he's still shaping us and molding us into the newness of him, which is a long ways to go for all of us until uh, we get to eternity. But it's a continuous refreshing, a continuous renovation in our lives. I covered a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and I went through Psalm 119 that night. And I mentioned it then, I'll mention it again, that nine times in Psalm 119, the psalmist mentions revive. And this was someone who was walking with God and living for God and already loved God. And yet, and we believe Psalm 119 was probably written over the lifetime. Many scholars believe it was David. But that multiple times in his life, he needed reviving. Has anyone else here who's already been saved ever needed reviving? And you're already saved? Yes, the psalmist would agree with you because we tend to get stale or we tend to bog down or we tend to get distracted or we tend to drift or whatever else and we need refreshing, we need reviving, we need a continuous reviving, at least I know I do. But Peter is also looking to the future here. Pick it up with me and a wider refreshing for not just individual souls but the wider house of Israel. Look at verse 20 where he goes on to say, that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. Israel and the Jewish people, Peter is saying that if Israel and the Jewish people as a nation, remember he started off brethren, if they were to repent and turn to Christ as a group, everyone there was to repent and turn, that God the Father would send Jesus to return and set up his kingdom, which would bring refreshing upon the whole nation. They were in bondage to the Roman Empire. There was all kinds of things they were under. They were under their own legalism. But he would send refreshing upon the nations. And scholars have debated for the last 2,000 years whether Peter was stating that Jesus would immediately come if everyone there had repented, if all the house of Israel had repented when Peter preached, because they didn't on Pentecost. 3,000 did, but thousands didn't. If If everyone there repented, would God have sent Jesus right then to immediately restore the kingdom. Scholars have debated, uh, would God have done that? Would he have really sent Jesus right then? Or was Peter laying out the prophetic order of things? And my answer is yes. That's my answer. Because God doesn't have any limitations. If they all repented, God, I, don't, I believe God always says what he means. If they would have repented, Peter's like, he would send Jesus. But they didn't repent, but God already knew that they weren't going to repent. But had they repented... You know what I mean. But anyway, so ultimately, God understood. Uh, we look at verse 21. Whom heaven, and here's where we know God understood what their reaction was going to be. And Jesus has already preached on it, which I'll touch on in just a second. 
whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, God obviously knew what Israel's response was going to be. He knew in Pentecost 3,000 would get saved, but not the whole nation. He knew here, as Peter preached again, that some were going to get saved, but not the whole nation. And so Jesus must, he writes, must return to heaven until all things are accomplished. Right now, we're in that until all things are accomplished. There's other things that still need to be accomplished. Israel will eventually turn to their Messiah, but things need to be accomplished. We know Jesus made this clear himself. He said in Luke chapter 13, it's up on the screen, verse 34 through 35, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, this is not a compliment, and stones those who are sent to her. This is how bad it can get. It's how bad our society could get. That they wouldn't just not tolerate the gospel, but actually stone and kill those who preach it, which our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are already dealing with. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And this is a statement for our country too. But you were not willing. I've thought this ever since 9-11 in this country. We had an opportunity to repent. We have doubled down on our sin. We have doubled down on our resistance to God. We've tripled down on it. We've quadrupled down on it. And we think we're going to win a tug of war against God? No way. He goes on. Jesus says, see, your house is left desolate. At this point, their house wasn't desolate. Jesus was saying, it already has happened as if it's happened because it's going to happen. Your house is left desolate. Assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me again. You're going to want to see me again until the times comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, they waved that when he came into the city, but he knew they didn't mean it. Here he's saying, this is when you actually mean it. When you don't just sing, God bless America, you say, Lord, I'm going to bless you with my surrendered life. Big, big difference. Jesus knew that after his death and resurrection, some were going to repent, but not the whole nation. But that the nation of the whole would not repent. And because of that, he says, your houses are left desolate. He was speaking. Remember on the Olivet Discourse, he said the temple would be destroyed. Not one stone would be left upon another. That was the same week that he went to the cross. He taught that. So he had already told them that they were not going to repent. And because they weren't going to repent, judgment was going to come. Judgment was going to come. And less And 40 years later, 70 AD, Titus comes in, levels Jerusalem. Over a million Jewish people are killed. Everyone else is either sent into slavery, sent to the Colosseums around the world, and actually die as either slaves or just killed for Roman sport or killed in the actual battle itself. All that happened because they did not repent. That judgment comes. By the way, America is not immune to God leveling us either. To be really clear, we, I, I, every now and then I remind you, 9-11 was a few guys with box cutters. That's what it was. It wasn't nuclear weapons. And so God uh, protects. And, but at some point, he brought judgment against Jerusalem. And that was to get their attention. And he's going to get their attention again when the tribulation period comes. But as Peter proclaimed, and he reminds his countrymen and his fellow Jewish descendants here, that the prophets, uh, the ones he mentions, as well, like he mentions Moses, he mentions Samuel, as well as those he doesn't mention, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, they all prophesied of who? The Messiah, who is Jesus, the Christ. Some 
prophesied some aspects of Jesus' life, some prophesied other aspects of Jesus' life, but they all prophesied that Jesus would come and that anyone that received him would be saved, those that wouldn't would be judged. He goes on, look at, let's read these last few verses, starting verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Moses was a type, a foreshadow of Jesus because Moses brought the people out of bondage, out of slavery, out of the world. Jesus brings us out of the bondage of sin, out of slavery to sin, out of bondage into himself and out of this world. He brings us into the promised land, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. The life and the Spirit is the promised land for us. But Moses was a tight, but he wasn't the Christ. And Moses was saying, there will come a prophet that you're going to hear. And I don't know if you've ever realized this, but we say some people, they don't hear Jesus. Did you know everyone will hear Jesus? Lots of people aren't going to meet Moses. Millions and billions of people will never meet Moses. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Moses will not be there to meet a lot of people. Moses, you, you and I, will, if you're saved, you're going to meet Moses. You're going to get to have fun and talk to him about his whole life. But if you're unsaved and you die in your sins, you won't meet Moses, but you'll meet Jesus one time, but it will be to hear, depart, I never knew you. That's the sad reality. So everyone will meet Jesus. When he says, this prophet you'll hear, you'll either hear him in this lifetime or in the lifetime to come, but you definitely want to hear him now and respond to him now because he goes on to say, and it shall be, verse 23, every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And this is actually speaking of the judgment to come. If you deny and say, Jesus, Nice story and all, not interested. I got my life, got my 401k, got everything I want, don't need you. I'm going to live out my life. Then if you deny, he says, you won't hear that prophet. You'll be utterly destroyed. And there is a judgment to come. Verse 24, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken also foretold these days to Samuel, Moses, Joshua, David. They all foretold these things, the day that God would send his Messiah. He goes on to say, you are sons of the prophets. And again, because he's speaking to the Jewish people here, he goes, you're all, we're all relatives. We're all of the 12 tribes. You're sons of the prophets. Um, you're sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, uh, saying to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, the covenant with Abraham was a covenant of faith. We're of the house of Abraham. You know, the kids think Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had a Father Abraham, right? You know that one? Uh, we are the sons of Abraham by faith. But it wasn't just that the Jewish nation could be saved by faith, but the, all the nations, that through his seed, all the nations would be blessed. So Americans and Danes and people in Africa and people in Asia and all over the world could come to saving faith. But the same faith that Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him to righteousness. We believe, therefore we repent and abhor our sins and we run to him. Then we receive the same salvation that Abraham received. But he was speaking to them, you're all sons of the covenant. You're all sons of Abraham. You're sons of the prophets. But you're still going to have to put your faith and trust in Christ. The same thing that Abraham did. And then finally, in verse 26 here, he says, to you first, uh, God sent his son Jesus 
first to the household of Israel. Jesus did not go all over the world. He went to the nation of Israel. He sent to you first, having raised up his servant Jesus. Of course, he raised him from the dead. Sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Jesus becomes the decision point for all of Israel and for every single soul. Uh, Moses, when he was given the mantle to lead the children of Israel, uh, Moses had placed before the people, I don't know if you remember reading this in Deuteronomy, he placed before the people a very simple choice, blessings or cursings. Blessings or cursings. I put one of the passages up in it's, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse 19, Moses says it very simply. Moses is like, I'm going to give it to you as simple as I can give it to you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And you know, some still chose death. And you and I have talked to people, I've shared the gospel with people, when they've told me, you know what, I hear all that, but I don't believe it. They're choosing death. They don't know they're choosing death. And maybe sometimes even I explain, they still say, oh, that's fine. I'll go to hell and party with my friends or whatever else it may be. Like, really? Where did you get that idea? Did you make it up or did you hear it? But it's a very simple choice, life or death. And uh, Jesus has given a decision, refreshing or ruin, refreshing or ruin, eternal life or eternal death. Um, but to come to Christ, this last verse in verse 26, he will turn, uh, turn away every one of you from your iniquities. Uh, it involves, like we talked about with repentance, it involves saying, Lord, I, I need your help, and, and admitting the sin that we have. D.L. Moody said, believing and confessing go together. You cannot be saved without you taking them both. You have to both believe Everything Peter said, they had to believe it. Then they had to confess, Peter, you're right. We are sin. We are guilty of killing the Son of God. We are guilty of any other sin. God, please forgive us. Come into our heart and save us. So there's the believing and there's the confessing. With the heart we believe, with the mouth we confess unto the Lord. Uh, it's that choice again. Refreshing or ruin. It's life or death. But Jesus was sent not to condemn the world, because the world was already condemned, but to bless and to bring refreshing and to bring salvation. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. he, was he was sent to bless. He wants to bless us with salvation. He wants to bless us with a refreshed life. And if we turn to him and believe, he'll do more than that. He'll give us rest. He'll give us the refreshing, and he'll change us from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again, and we're just, we've heard the gospel many times. And Lord, I'm thankful that it's as new today as it was the first time I truly believed. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that as we continue uh, to look at these things, and Peter will continue in his life, as we'll see in the book of Acts, he'll keep preaching the resurrection, he'll keep preaching repentance. Uh, Lord, that we'll see that, uh, and believe with even greater faith that these are the only things that set men and women free. These are the only things that bring times of refreshing. These are the only things that break chains. Uh, Lord, you've set before us refreshing or ruin. You've set before us life or death. It's a very, very clear choice. Uh, but Lord, I pray that uh, you would open up the eyes of anyone who's still in the blindness, not realizing that uh, 
to say I'll wait is to, is to choose death. Is, they don't know that they have another week. They don't know if they have another day, another hour. Lord, no one knows uh, anything regarding the future but you. So, Lord, I pray that, um, and those of us that know you, Lord, that uh, we would continue uh, to appreciate what you've done on our behalf, and, Lord, our love for you would even grow. And before we uh, close this morning, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and take these elements. Um, I never want to take for granted, as I said, you know, Peter and John, they're going to the temple to pray. They had no idea a man was going to get healed that day. Uh, I'm driving in this morning. I'm praying. I always pray, Lord, do this, do that. But I never have any idea what God is going to do. But I know the things that God loves to do, and I know he loves to save souls. And if there's even one person, if you just bow your heads for just a moment, if there's even one person here today, and maybe you got here by, in your mind, accident, it wasn't. But uh, if you got here and you don't even know what made you come today or why you're here, but you say, I, I really, I heard what was said in the scriptures. I heard what Peter said, and I, I see my sins. I, I see that I'm not ready for eternity. I see that uh, I would spend eternity separated from God. I'm not ready if I should die. I'm still in, dead in my trespass and sin, but I want to be forgiven. I want to be cleansed. I want to receive eternal life. I want to know that I have the hope of heaven for Jesus to save my soul. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If there's even one person, I don't want to take for granted that everyone here is already born again. I said many people have had to hear the gospel. I see that hand. Any others? Many people, yeah. Many people have heard the gospel more than once. I've heard it numerous times. Is there anyone else? God's speaking to you. I couldn't convince you of your need for salvation, but I pray the Holy Spirit would. If there's anyone else, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I cannot save you, but I can point you to the one who can. No one in this room can save you. None of us are good enough. All of our combined goodness in this room cannot save another soul. Anyone at all. There's one. Don't, don't put it off. Don't, don't let Satan talk you out of eternal life. He's a liar. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I sense there's someone else here, but I don't know why. Nearly positive of it. God would know for sure. But I'm going to pray, and if there's anyone else, just raise your hand while I start to pray for this one that's raised their hand. Just pray in your own heart. It's your words, but I'll just lead you. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for my sins. I'm sorry. Please cleanse me and forgive me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life, for I'm deciding this day to follow you, Jesus. Place your Holy Spirit within me. Lord, thank you for opening my eyes, for getting my attention to show me my condition. Wash me, save me, and now help me to grow by your grace, through your word, and through other believers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.